Hello, Smallvillians. Welcome back to Somebody Save Us, a Smallville retrospective podcast in which we take a deep dive into each and every episode of Smallville uh, each and every week. Uh, this week, we are covering episode 17, Reaper, original air date, April 23rd, 2002, directed by Terrence O'Hara, who also worked on Heroes, X-Files, and Grimm, and written by Cameron Litvak, uh, who's also written for series uh, like V, Grimm, and uh, current Netflix uh, hit, I guess? I don't know, I haven't seen it. Woo Assassins, I did want really want to watch it, because I haven't gotten around to it. There's so much to watch! Anyway, we're going to dive into this episode right after this. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Uh, Too bad, Steve. How's it going? I am going well. I'm going good. You're going well. Things, going... things, things are going well. I'm sedate. <laughs> well, uh, until next week, uh, somebody save us. Yeah, I guess that's it. Steve's a potato. We're done for now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, episode 17, we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button. Episode 17, Reaper. And I was telling you that I literally watched this a couple days ago and can't remember a thing about it. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not a memorable one. I think we touched on it last week, too, where we talked about how the most interesting parts of this episode are things that carry over from last week with regard to Lex's story. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like, just, just perusing through my notes, I see a little of things like that. And, uh, and, and it's kind of jogging my memory as to what goes on. And it's like, I totally even forgot, like, the bad guy, what his powers were but it's it's slowly coming back to me but um you're really gonna have to jog my memory on this one brother <laughs> so yeah I, I i took the same notes i always do so it's we'll we'll get through it but i guess to start out uh cold open uh we see a hospital room and an older woman laying in her hospital bed and a young man in a red jacket leaning over her and we see on his wrist he's got a uh, a green bracelet. And I wonder if it works anything like those copper ones, you know? Oh, the ones that are supposed to, like, align the iron in your blood or something? Yeah, something like that. I don't think it does. It does something better for him. Um, or worse. Because, holy fuck. Um, she says she wants to, uh, him to help her die, so it's one of those very special episodes where they're going to talk about euthanasia and whether that's okay or not. Um, upset that she won't fight this to try to get well. He initially appears to be leaving, but then closes the door and returns to her bedside telling her he loves her. And he then begins to smother her with her pillow. But like it would, she starts to code uh, and, and it instantly like there's a nurse in the room seeing him trying to kill her um, and call security. And there's a crazy scene where they're fighting in front of the window. And what happens in front of windows? Hmm. Um, storks bring babies. Y yes, actually. So a <laughs> stork, a stork brings a baby into the room and uh, everything is fine. Nothing bad happens. 
And uh, all right, next week. Uh, next yeah. episode of Smallville. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, no, he falls through the window and he dead. Okay, it's a good thing you jogged like my memory on this scene because the first note I have, you're like, oh yeah, there's an old lady laying in a bed. Some guy walks in the room and my first note is, man, I hope this isn't some kind of Kill Bill situation. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> my name and I was is like Buck. what what was I thinking when I wrote that <laughs> you were thinking your name is Buck Buck and he's here to fuck that's still I'm still one of like oh, oh let's not talk about that it's so disturbing in so many ways mm-hmm. um and uh I just want to call BS on the whole pillow suffocation thing it never works fast or when you need it to just saying no, you, need to, you need to soak it soak that pillow oh a wet pillow Mm-hmm. At that point, you could probably just bludgeon them to death. Yeah. I, I imagine like a wet pillow would hurt to get smacked with. <laughs> it's it a lot of custom force. Yeah, and it's 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 like a waterboarding and asphyxiation in in one. You know. There you go. Okay, so what what's his? Did we get a name of this dude yet, or he's just now the guy that went out the window? Uh, I think maybe we do because in the morgue in the following scene, we hear kind of the extent of his injuries and, uh, and then like while the mortician is kind of doing his, the coroner's doing his rounds, he discovers the wrist, uh, like injury, like that his hand is basically backwards. Oh, I do remember that. I do remember because the, like the, the kryptonite's actually embedded, right? right? Yeah, and because yeah. I remember looking at that and going, that actually looks really good. Like that's a really great, like realistic looking practical effect, practical, with the exception yeah. of the fact that there's no blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like the mortician like removes the shard, and that's actually where it's pretty good too, because you actually see it kind of sliding out. Um, and then we hear the telltale noise of meteor freakdom as, uh, you know, he goes to, to start his autopsy. Uh, he's basically about to make his Y incision and Tyler's eyes like shoot open and he grabs the wrist of, uh, the mortician and the dude like dries out faster than ladies at a John Lovitz show. (laughs) I don't know why I wrote that down, but, (laughs) or why I said it. Um, we see him crumble into ash through the frosted glass. And I'm I just like, what is with the shadow work in this scene? Yeah. And like, are, is, is the director trying to pay homage to Alfred Hitchcock? Or is he trying to bite Sam Raimi? I don't understand. Cause I, I'll, I'll be honest. Shadow work when done well is kind of awesome and intriguing. This was neither. Yeah, no, it was actually, it seemed like the reason why they did it is because they needed the effect to do the effect as cheaply as possible. And doing that dissolve into ash in silhouette is probably a lot cheaper to do than showing. Ah, budget. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this, this episode actually does have a couple scenes where they do show people turning to ash but um it's not this time um and i think that's the opening i think we get opening right after that uh yeah i think you're right yeah and then uh the next the very next scene is clark and martha arriving at this place called mobile meals i have a note saying blue truck yeah blue truck 
and Clark is apparently like a little bummed about not about having to do this volunteering. Um, I wonder if it has anything to do with his experience during um, during Hourglass. Maybe just oh, he's, he's done with old people at this point. And volunteer work. Superman has figured out volunteer work is for suckers and crazy old ladies die when you do it. Yeah. Um, and he's also not crazy about the fishing trip he's supposed to go on with Jonathan, which is the first Martha is hearing about this. But she is trying to, you know, convince him maybe he should have this talk with Jonathan. Um, and before they can get too much further into that, uh, low rent uh, Wilford Brimley introduces Tyler to the Kents. Low rent Wilfred Brimley. That's a, a nice take. He's almost like what? Did, what did you describe? Uh, dead janitor from last week. He's like, like scruffy. scruffy. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. But uh, so they introduced Tyler to the Kents, who is I'm sorry. Most of this episode, this dude's high as fuck. Yeah. You see how <laughs> red his eyes are? It is insane. <laughs> <laughs> the whole episode, his eyes are just like bloodshot red. Like this dude is ripping bong hits between takes. Yeah, the tra- his in his trailer, it's just Cypress Hills hits from the bong playing <laughs> on repeat. Yeah, that's a good album. I should get that on vinyl. I got to take a note here. Well, I think Steve, I'm not going to tell you to not buy any more vinyl because I know I'm not going to. No one's going to stop you from buying more vinyl. You can't. can't. <laughs> Record collection grows, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but yeah. So Tyler, uh, we we. It's kind of an obvious hint here because Tyler takes Clark's hand uh, to shake his hand, and he's wearing a glove, and then like ominous music plays, um, and then they go together uh, to visit uh, an old lady named Mrs. Sykes. Her little dog Pepper is not too fond of the recently undead, apparently. Or anyone. Pepper's annoying. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I have a small dog. And the thing about small dogs is they're awesome to the immediate family. And it's yeah. always the immediate family that's like, oh, no, no, they don't, they're not barky. They don't yip, yip. It's okay. Don't worry. But as soon as strangers show up, man, small dogs lose their fucking minds. In my job, every house I walk up to that has a dog in it, they are barking at the window. It doesn't matter if they're people dogs. Like you're, I I'm invading their space every yeah. day, yeah. and they're just losing it. One day yeah. they'll get loose. You better pick up on the cardio, man. Man, I I've had some close calls already with big dogs, and it's fucking. That's scary. actually scary. It's fucking scary. That's but, very scary. Uh, <laughs> now that uh, mailman cast is over, we'll get back to our episode. Um, Martha uh, takes uh, Tyler over to meet the old lady, and she is kind of racked with sudden chest pains, asking for her pills. And Clark wonders if allowed, if there isn't something they can do for her. And Martha's like, "I wish we could, but not really." Um, and then, but Tyler comes over and comforts her and offers to bring her another iris tomorrow. To which she responds, she likes roses. Um, and uh, he kind of agrees and she tells Martha that she likes him. And I'm like, uh oh, uh oh. Because you kind of already get the sense that what the deal is with this guy already, what it's good. Yeah, be. yeah. He's going to, 
marry her for her money. Right. That's his endgame. He's no, gonna, wait. That was Superman Returns. Lex Luthor. He is going to Kevorkian the shit out of some people. I, I've got, I mean, like, we'll get there, but I've got opinions on this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, at the mansion, it's the return of Lionel's Toady Dominic, who's uh, been authorized by Luther to look into some accounting irregularities, apparently. And this is kind of like a, a nice scene because Dominic is the one who is playing pool this time. Whereas the last time we saw Dominic, uh, Lex was the one playing pool. Nice call. Very yeah. good. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen this dude. I just I remember, like, Lex goes on a run of, like, famous historical figures and authors. And I was yeah. just like, I haven't read anything by or about any of these people. I am dumb. I try. Here's the thing. As I've tried to read The Will to Power... And I've tried to read The Art of War by Sun Tzu, but it's just so fucking dry. It is very dry. You know, like, because I, I have, like, literally right beside me The Art of War. Yeah. Same thing, man. I started reading it, and I was like, this is, I'm kind of just bored. You know what's really good? I guess, I mean, maybe not historically in context on the same level, but nowhere near as dry and actually pretty fun to read? Mm. Uh, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Oh, yeah, yeah. By Bruce Lee. And I mean, granted, that's all like little bite-sized snippets of things. Right. Um, but yeah, I, that's actually a really good book. There you go. Steve's Book Club, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, so yeah, like basically, yeah, Lex goes, he basically goes on a tirade telling, you know, Dominic about what it's like to have a father like Lionel and like what he gave him for his 10th birthday, that that book. And then um, those were the voices that comforted him after his mother died. Uh, and then after that, he leaves, uh, he leaves Dominic with kind of a warning that, um, while he tries to fight it, he's still his father's son. So watch it. Yeah. Just, that's such a fly line actually. Yeah. It is like, cause I mean, like at this point we're still fairly early in Smallville, but Lex yeah. and Lionel have been established enough to know that Lex is, is, will eventually become the Luther we expect, but that Lionel is like the lion in charge. You know, he is the ruler of this pride and not a man to really mess with. So when Lex looks at Dominic and like, you know, I don't want to be my dad, but I am a product of my father and know exactly how to operate just like him. It's, it's just a great warning. Yeah, yeah. And that, it, it does kind of uh, come to roost at the end of the episode. We'll get there when we get there. But um, uh, at the Talon, uh, Clark is is uh, hanging out with Lex and brings up the trip and learns that he doesn't want to do it. Um, and then we learn that uh, Lex and Lionel once uh, went on a, uh, like, a shark cage uh, adventure but they never went on a father-son trip again. And Lionel only really did it because he was sure that Lex wouldn't go. Um, but Which is, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, again, going back to just like the traumas of Lex's past, his mm -hmm. dad takes him on a shark uh, diving expedition. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's two possible outcomes. One, he thinks his son's too cowardly to go and then uses that to mock him for a time. Or two, mm -hmm. 
Lex kind of, I guess, uh, uh, gets the courage up to do it, but is probably a little kid sitting in a shark cage terrified out of his fucking mind because, well, you're swimming with sharks. Yeah. Like, either way, it kind of torture. Yeah, it's either way, he can't win. Um, But speaking of sharks, Lex offers uh, him box seats to the Metropolis Sharks football game. Uh, thinking that, well, Jonathan's been following the season all year. Clark's like, this is going to be amazing. He's definitely going to want to do this. And I'm like, no, he's fucking not. Are you kidding me? Um, But as Lex leaves, uh, Clark notices Lana hanging up the phone across across the way and beginning to sob. And he runs over and we learn that Mr. Fordman just had another heart attack. Yeah, and Again, like I'll, I'll go back to what I've said a number of times, and maybe he's going to get worse. But I feel myself a lot more sympathetic towards Whitney this time around. He doesn't yeah. seem nearly yeah. as bad to me this time. You know what I mean? Like before, and I mean maybe it was right. because prior Superman, Smallville knowledge. Oh, it should be Clark and Lana, blah blah blah. But it's not yeah. right now. It's not, and like. No. If you take Whitney as his own person, as his own character, just watching what this poor yeah. bastard's yeah. going through, like, yeah. it's really hardcore. Well, and that's the thing, as Whitney, I mean, I guess I don't really even want to spoil it, but for people who haven't actually seen it, people who might be, you know, consuming Smallville for the first time and listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah, like, don't, don't, like, spoil, like... I don't want to say Whitney's anything ending. about what's going on with Whitney, but he... He's not going to be a going concern for a very long time, but he's he's still got some episodes ahead of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so in the there's a scene in the barn and this is another one of those fucking scenes where somebody unannounced sneaks up on one of the Kents while they're doing something incredibly dangerous. <laughs> what is the deal with that? Like fucking announce yourself, Dominic. Like, Jesus. He but almost I'm, gets yeah, like yeah. It, it they should maybe just hang like a doorbell in the barn. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you always sneak up with people using acetylene torches. Yeah, so dangerous. It is legitimately so dangerous. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, Dominic goes into some depth, revealing the investigation Lex has going on with the Kents, just trying to you know turn Jonathan even more against Lex. And Jonathan can, can barely contain his rage. Like, he's so fucking pissed. But he's rattled enough that he asks what Lex's findings were as Dominic is just kind of walking away. Like, Dominic seemingly showed up there just to tell him that and then leave. Which, I, I mean, I think maybe that is the whole thing. Yeah. Or, well, no, not really. Because Dominic Dominic's whole thing is like he was sent by Lionel to find out what Lex has poured all this money into. Right. Right. He finds out that it was, I guess the investigation. And, but he, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I guess, yeah, I don't really understand why he goes to Jonathan. Cause he goes to Jonathan to tell him like, do you know that Lex spent all this money investigating your son? And now I guess maybe Lionel's kind of on the case of what makes Clark so special. Right. Because that's the whole point is he goes there and he, cause it seems to me like he wants dirt now on the Kents. 
Like, do you know that Lex is investigating you? Because I want to know why Lex would be investigating you. Yeah, he wants to know for because he wants because he's such a toady. He needs to let Lionel know everything he can. Right. It's it is a great moment watching him or just kind of seeing Jonathan going. Lex is actively investigating my family. Like, yeah, yeah. How pissed would you be? Mm hmm. And uh, yeah, so after that, uh, there's like a really quick scene at the hospital. Uh, Clark is with Lana and they go to visit uh, Mr. Fordman and Clark is somehow initially mistaken for Whitney. Yeah. Like, did you have yeah, a heart a... attack or do you have like an eye problem? Because they don't like, look anything alike. <laughs> not even close. Clark, Clark's a, a good six inches taller, has like, uh, you know, dark Black hair. Yeah. Yeah. bit bulkier and like at some point we'll get to them like shooting hoops and Whitney's literally like a 30 year old man yeah 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 it's it's very it's like that the age of the actors is just so crazy it, and... I, I actually should go back and find out how old he was when he shot this but like in that in like the whatever we'll get to that scene but when we get to there there's a close-up of whitney and i literally have a note going holy shit he looks he literally looks 30 years old yeah no yeah he looks like shit in this episode i mean i think it's because he's not really wearing like the he's not i guess he is he is wearing his crow's jacket though yeah and i mean he like he's going through a lot so like the character should look tired and should look a little ragged and he is like a little unshaven his hair's a little messy but it, it's yeah. You, would you have a rough night when you're 18? You don't look like you had a rough night when you're 30. <laughs> like there's a big you difference. You don't look like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like me after I've had a bender nowadays, there's just no oh, liquid geez. left in me at all. I'm at a commission oh. for three days. I look like E.T. when they find him in that fucking drain. <laughs> uh, uh at home, Jonathan is feeling a little nostalgic about Clark's first fishing rod. And when uh, Clark kind of tries to bring up the football game, uh, Jonathan mentions uh, Dominic and what he was told about, you know, uh, what Lex was doing and that he doesn't really want to take anything from, you know, Lex who doesn't want to accept the tickets. And Clark's like, oh, yeah, I totally like Clark is kind of forced to reveal that he knew about the investigation, but in doing so reveals that he didn't tell Jonathan or Martha for that matter. It's, it's a, it's a very complex scene Yeah, because it is, it's like Clark keeping secrets from his parents about a secret that is damaging to the entire family. Clark more than anything, it really shows how naive Clark is at this point Yeah, because he's like, Oh no, dad, don't worry. He said he stopped like, yeah. And then Jonathan, like, you see the hurt in Jonathan's face. And then yeah, yeah. Jonathan calls him on it, and then Clark flips out. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he says he only goes fishing because it makes Jonathan happy. He doesn't even like fishing. Uh, and you can actually, like, again, this is one of those things where it's like, you can just see his heartbreak. Yeah. Like... If he hadn't said that, maybe Jonathan Kent would still be alive today because I think that did more damage to his heart than anything. I took out an aorta at least. Yeah. Dick move, Clark. But he feels bad about how it came out, but he can't... Like, this is one of a couple of scenes in the episode where he's like, 
you can tell he's maybe going to try to say something, but then just says nothing. And then Jonathan just walks away. Yeah, well, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And then uh, the next scene, a th- it's like that night scene at Miss Sykes' house. And Pepper hears the door and runs barking into the front room. And we see, like, her, like Pepper barking. And then you see Tyler's hand reaching down. <laughs> and then just, like, a pained yelp. As he just, get, he gave bad pats. Okay. He, so let's get into this. Okay. So, and you, and you pretty much nailed it early on in the show in that this is kind of a, I don't know if it's necessarily like a debate on euthanasia, but what this guy is doing right to this point is going up to, I mean, okay. He straight up tried to murder his mom. That's suffocating her with a pillow or whatever. Right. But now he's got this, uh, touchy, touchy power. Right. Which seems fast entirely painless right is that not i mean like that's not open up the euthanasia debate but like to me that seems like it's kind of a very humane thing to do oh you're in a ton of pain and he asks yeah like you don't do you want to like stay alive in pain all this time and like this is the second person who's been like no i don't it's like, I, I get that my time's over. The only thing left for me is to lie in this bed in pain day after day until I shed this mortal coil. Because, right. like, you're 98 years old. You're not going to have a miraculous recovery to the age of 23. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, no. done. You're done no. now. Yeah. No, she's she's never leaving that bed. So Yeah. So I, like, yeah. I look at this, and you get to this point in the story, and I'm like, I get that he's the bad guy, and I get that he is killing people but uh, i'm kind of morally gray at this point yeah well i mean that thing is it's 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 a debate that has raged on for forever and like i think if somebody is in that kind of pain and wants to die they should be allowed to die oh i'm 100 pro euthanasia not like i did like don't get me wrong i'm just yeah. saying as far as this character goes yeah well, I mean, yeah, he's not painted in the most sympathetic light. And, like, I, although that's the thing is we, we don't get what he would have done if he came in here during this scene here and she said she didn't want to die and then he killed her anyway, then he's a villain. That would have been great. That's what we needed is actually is we needed, like, a kind of a buffer old person in here somewhere. Yeah, where it would have been like, oh no, it's just like I just have a cold. I'll be fine tomorrow, and I want to see my grandkids. And then to have this guy go, oh, okay, yeah. It's not until it's not until very late in the episode after he's already killed somebody by accident, kind of by accident again. That where like Whitney's dad obviously doesn't want to die, right? Like, and he's just he's just taking it upon himself. Yeah, right. this is way after the fact, but yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get around to that eventually. But I think the effect, maybe not the actual effect of when he like kills her, is good. But the fact that there's like that ash stain left behind, yes, at the end is pretty good. It's it's um, it's very uh, Hiroshima Nagasaki, circa nineteen forty five. Yeah, he so with his power. Because we get to it at the end, how much contact can he have with himself 
without turning we'll himself there. to we'll ash. We'll get there. We'll get there. Exactly. Right. Like it's ridiculous. Um, anyway, like how do you how would you conduct your life at that point? Um, the next morning, though, Martha is admonishing Clark about avoiding talking to Jonathan, that she doesn't want to see history repeat itself because she tells a story about how Hiram and Jonathan were not very close uh, at the end uh, of Hiram's life, even though they saw each other every day. And, Which, yeah. I, I, is that... Do we get more talks about Jonathan and his family? Because I know eventually we like start meeting members of Martha's family. Well, we do. I think we do. We, we uh, as time goes on, when Jonathan's talking about stuff, he brings up stuff from when he was younger or stuff about Hiram. And there's stuff about Hiram in those kind of that 1950s episode that's still. Yeah, comes. yeah. But I, uh, I'm trying to figure out if we get more insight into like how Jonathan's relationship with his father was not a good one. And because I yeah. seem to remember, like, this can't possibly be the only time it's mentioned because I seem to remember it being part of Jonathan's character. Yeah, it definitely is. And, like, his anger, too, is a part of his character. Yes. In a big way. Um, I think this, okay, so the thing that struck me about this episode is it seems like everything that's happened seems to have taken quite a bit of time, right? In the episode, in terms of, like, runtime. This next scene is the first scene at the school with our first scene with a cloak with Chloe in it and Pete in the episode. And it seems like this is probably the latest an episode has gone before Clark has gone where they start to like piece together the mystery a little bit because Chloe is breaking down what she heard about Mrs. Sykes and her theory, spontaneous combustion. Uh, which is a good theory. I mean, that's yeah. Realistically, if you find a a pile of ash that used to be a person and there's nothing else around, what else would your theory be? Yeah, yeah. And Pete's skeptical, but then Chloe rattles off the story about, you know, about like a actual spontaneous combustion to support her theory. And it's pretty clear to the boys that uh, Chloe's not letting this go. So, but that's just like kind of the the impetus for Chloe starting her investigation so that we can eventually get to the end of the episode. Right. Um, Lex pays a visit to the barn as Jonathan is tossing bales of hay. Um, and then kind of asks about the plans for Sunday with regard to the football game. And uh, like Jonathan climbs down and he's just like, no, well, like obviously we're not, I'm not accepting that from me, Lex. Um, and Lex has this scene where, or this thing where he asks the Kents if they have a family photo and points out that he doesn't. Um, and that if he's guilty of anything, it's that he's envious of them. This is a, um, an interesting scene because like, uh, I'm, I'm, it's it's really weird to be on both sides of this argument because yeah. I totally understand the layers as to why Jonathan's mad. Like you, yeah. you're trying to you spying on my family. You've got ulterior mm -hmm. motives. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a, a my my family, my son have a massive secret we have to hide, and you won't stop prying. And you're trying to 
in a way like buy my son away from me are, are like annual father-son trip you're trying to take him to metropolis to go watch a football game so i understand why jonathan's mad but then you swing yeah. over to the lex side of it and lex is like yes i did these things and maybe mm -hmm. he doesn't even know why because lex doesn't he doesn't he's not malicious in his intent to find out what happened that day on the bridge he's just it's kind of just curiosity it's not like i'm going to harness this power it's i survived death it shouldn't have happened, and I don't have the answers that I need. I want to know why. And all the time looking at Clark going, yeah, I actually do want to be this guy's friend. Look at this amazing family, something that I've never, ever had. So I watch this, and I'm like, I totally get why Jonathan's being an asshole. But goddamn, Jonathan's kind of an asshole. Yeah, and, and Lex kind of, well, like... Lex realizes he struck a nerve when he realizes that Jonathan is taking it personally, that Clark wasn't upfront with him about the secret. And then before leaving Lex just kind of straight up on front street accuses Jonathan of just never seeing past the name Luther, which is a fair, fair criticism. Absolutely fair. And, it, and uh, oh, it's not even only fair. It's 100% true. The second he found out Lex was a Luther, yeah. Immediately that blinder, that wall went up. Right. Yeah. It, it, from episode one, right. When they, when they were get where they're sitting with those red blankets on. Yep. After the, after the car accident from that point on, basically. Um, the next scene is that scene with, uh, where Clark talks to Whitney at, at the basketball court. 30 year old Whitney shooting hoops yeah. with high school kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, they kind of toss the ball around a little bit and Whitney unloads how he feels about what his dad laying there in that hospital bed means that he, he would rather see, he would rather his memories be of the man, um, as he was like the strong man he knew and not this frail man laying in a, a hospital bed. Um, and it kind of strikes a chord with Clark, but he leaves before he leaves. He says, I get it, but I'd take the man over the memory any day of the week. And I think that will actually, again, like at some point in the future, that's going to stick with Clark as like a definite truth when it comes to Jonathan. Oh, for sure. He would definitely rather have Jonathan in his life than not. Um, right at the end of that scene, though, Chloe runs up having found that piece uh, in the planet um, about a missing body. And I'm more interested in the fact that the coroner was turned to ash. This is a, a little weird scene with Chloe here. It, it, not weird. Like I mean, she's just like... At one point, and I don't know if it's on purpose, mm. but she does that little lower lip bite thing. Yeah. When talking about investigating and breaking into something, and I'm just like, God damn, man. Investigating gets Chloe hot, and it's the weirdest yeah. kink, but I'm kind of into it. Because yeah, she I... is fucking hot yeah i and that's the thing is i i noticed that too because she's just like oh let's like she, she's like the the corner was turned to ash like they like they put it on their detective caps and she's just like and she literally this. gets all hot and bothered over it and it's like all right yeah 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 um and then i think they like they basically smash cut right to them uh like at the crime scene and Clark's like, 
we're this is a crime scene. Like, what are we what are we doing here? And like, she has no regard for the fact that they're trespassing at a crime scene and is just touching everything. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they're not smart about it at all. No. And Clark realizes all of a sudden that there's no barking. I'm looking for Pepper. He like he uses his X-ray and finds the pile of of Pepper. <laughs> yeah, Pepper looks like Pepper now. Yeah. And I guess the collar was consumed too. Because I guess it would be, you know, it's leather, so probably. Uh, oh, because I know that he found the uh, the tag. Like, that's yeah. how he saw it. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about it. Yeah, same thing with the old woman. I guess maybe any any natural fibers to, like. Oh, yeah, all of her clothes and everything. Yeah, good point. Yeah. We're, anyway, yeah, but uh, Clark Small seeing unspecific power sets. Who knows? Yeah, I know exactly. Um, then Clark notices the rose and kind of puts it together, saying that it may have been combustion, but it wasn't spontaneous. Which, Which would leave Chloe going, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I rolled my eyes so hard. Yeah, and Chloe's like, "What? What are you?" <laughs> yeah, it's just that—that's a weird thing to say, Clark. Would you like to extrapolate? Yeah, explain, please. Yeah. Uh, so Martha, this is the scene where Martha goes back to that mobile meals and is uh, greeted by Laurent uh, Brimley again, um, and she uh, like lets him know she's just there to drop off some produce. Um, and so he's like, yeah, I'll just be in the office. And when she goes into the kind of like that kind of warehouse bay or whatever, and is just startled by Tyler, she kind of weirdly asks what he's doing there. Like he, he's probably just working, working. Yeah. He, he works. He works there. He's organizing shit. But what he does, he offers. So you'd think with his powers being what they are. He would never have his gloves off in case he accidentally dusted his hands together. Um, but he offers to help her with the produce. But when he touches, like he grabs the container, his hand touches one of the peppers. And then it just like, it's like a cascade effect. And it turns all of the food, like the produce to ash, like right in front of her. Uh, and Martha's like, uh, fuck, 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 fuck. It starts putting it together and trying to get out of there. Um, it turns in Kate. Now I'm trying to figure out if this was my stream or if this was the way it was shot. So you're going to have to, ex- did it go into very weird slow-mo for you? Uh, what it had like a weird, there was a weird effect where it looked like it was just blurry. Like it was very grainy, a- but it was definitely playing at like half speed. Yeah, because there's a there's a quick scene where Martha kind of starts to turn and run, and it did seem like that. And then, uh, like the the busted uh, Wilford Brimley shows up, um, and she tells him to go call the sheriff. And Tyler goes to run for it, and uh, well, let's just say diabetes is the last thing that uh, little little old Hank will have to worry about. No, because... for some reason, like because I know like what's his name accidentally bumps into him or whatever. Not even that. Hank grabs him and turns to Ash. Oh, okay. For some reason, in the middle of in my head, I I real I I knew that Hank touched the other guy, but for some reason, again, because I watched it seven days ago and it's a little foggy, 
my brain had filled in the blanks with Martha throwing that dude at the kid. <laughs> Just like <laughs> using him as a human shield. And I'm like, holy shit, Martha killed a guy. No, no, not at all. That's not what happened, ladies no, and gentlemen. He, you know, that is my to... brain filling in blanks that, that actually... I'm like, God, how am I living I, my life? I could have said anything right there. I could have been like, yeah, Martha, Martha just threw him in front of him. Uh, and I would have I would have been like, yeah, I thought that was a weird take. Weird, weird Martha. Darkness. Um, Clark arrives on the scene, though, and X-ray, uh, you know, X-rays to kind of save the day again. Because he just shows up and he's like, oh, I wonder where my mom is. And he looks through the wall and like the <laughs> Tyler's skeleton is like creeping up to him. <laughs> You're creeping up to her like the skeleton. Uh, yeah, skeleton like he's a, all of a sudden, there's no like it's not important at all. There's no he's not trying to hurry. He's just like playing a weird game of tag or peekaboo. Yeah, yeah. tickle fight. Yeah, uh, Clark uh, gets between them, and uh, Clark gets the bad touch, but it appears to work a lot slower on him. Like he gets almost like a bruise on his face. I will say, like, yeah, I was going to say that. As as far as this guy's power set goes, it's a very weird one. He's essentially does just, like, turn things to ash. Right. But in his credit, he bruised Superman. Yeah. Like, wow. so he's, like, legitimately pretty powerful. If he had the strength to hold on to Superman for a while or Clark or... He could kill him, yeah. He could possibly kill him. Yeah. But uh, so but Clark does manage to like launch him away from him. And then he takes a second to make sure that Martha's fine. But by the time he turns back, uh, Tyler has played the vanishing act that no villain should actually be able to get away with. Hold on. This is probably the most egregious vanishing ever. Yeah. Yes. Because... It's literally like two seconds, if that. Yeah. And he's nowhere to be seen. And there's like, there's no way he could have gotten out of sight in the time it takes him to vanish. Like this dude teaches Batman how to vanish. Yeah. It would have been interesting if part of his power would have been in that moment when he's thrown across the room, he himself can turn into Ash. Oh, and then just ride the wind or and something. And then just ride the wind away. But they they don't go that far to do that or give him any. They they just play disappearing act. With you know him, what? Just if like the show is twenty years old. Me and you are going to insert that into canon, like a tender lover. Yeah, it is now. It is the it is the Snyder cut of this episode. Release the Snyder cut. Hashtag release the Snyder cut. Um. Yeah. Okay. Ryan. But yeah, yeah, he got away. Rides the wind like an ash hole. <laughs> ash hole. Ash hole. Uh, in the uh, I think he's back at the loft. Jonathan tells Clark Martha is resting and that the cops are looking for Tyler. Uh, and Clark thinks that they won't be able to stop him because apparently during his x-ray i wanted to look back on this and see if it's actually the case but he couldn't he could see that like tyler has no heartbeat um and clark describes what was done to him there's kind of a scene where jonathan kind of 
tries to kind of comfort him like physic by physically touching him and Clark kind of flinches away. And he doesn't even really like he's looking down, he's looking he's reading something or something, and he doesn't even see the look on Jonathan's face. Really awkward. It's um Yeah. It's it is weird because this this is kind of just the start of it. Like up until this point, Clark Jonathan been great. You know yeah. what? Pretty much on the same page the whole time. Everything's been really good. But they do start to splinter. And I don't think I realized that how much until I started rewatching. Like Right. And it's regrettable. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it it's sort of just building that building up to that that moment where then Clark is going to have that regret for the rest of his life because their relationship d- isn't really uh it 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 gets closer and it gets it gets strained at different points in the series but um yeah it's it's a, it's definitely he's he's not a little boy anymore and so Jonathan can't have that kind of physical relationship with him anymore really like like uh like soothing soothing him the way he was trying to it's not going to work like he's a 16 yeah. year old kid yeah Can't yeah be- yeah yeah um i think the next thing is at the talon clark is just there to basically warn lana not to let ty touch her and then doesn't explain why um and he's like all right see ya um and she i think is going to go talk to Whitney. I think she thanks him for um, talking to Whitney, I guess, actually. I think that's what happens there. Um, and then Lex uh, talking to Clark kind of rescinds the offer to do the football game and tells Clark maybe he should consider the importance of the time spent with Jonathan rather than doing what he wants to do. And uh, he has a good line here. It's kings will come to my father's funeral. Friends will come to yours. Yes. Yeah, that is a fantastic line. Um, I, I, and I mean, I like the sentiment of it. It could have, I feel like it almost could have been said better because, I mean, having kings come to your funeral, still pretty impressive. Pretty baller. But, uh. Yeah, but does it mean anything? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I I think I get what Lex was trying to say, but I think it would have maybe even come off better. And I'm not shitting on the line. It's still a fantastic fucking line. Mm-hmm. But it might have come off better if, like, people will come to my father's funeral because it's a social event. You know what I mean? Like, people yeah. will come to my father's funeral to get in the tabloids, to get in the papers. People will come to your funeral to pay respect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference between their fathers, I guess, really is what it's trying to continue to paint that picture for us. Um there's a kind of for the first time in a while there's a a graveyard scene. Um like Lana finds Whitney just hanging out at the graveyard. Um and during their talk, she convinces him to go see his dad. Um, but then she kind of decides to stay behind saying it's been a while since she's been there. 
Um, she kind of stays at her parents' grave for a minute, but then she is just walking her way out of the, uh, the graveyard and encounters Tyler, who's wearing his gloves, and he kind of puts his hands up saying he doesn't want to hurt anybody, only bring them peace. And he says that, hey, I heard what you were talking about with your friend there, uh, and I'm going to go deal with that now. Bye. And then she turns her back for a second, and when he turns around, he gone. Yeah, no, sorry. This this was the one I was raging about earlier. So, but both are true. He's instantly gone. Yeah. And this one is like, this one is really, because you're right. She turns around, looks for Whitney or whatever, like, turn around. And then turns around and he's gone. And it's literally like a one, two, maybe three beat. You might get to three seconds, but I don't think you get to that. And he's, and you're in a cemetery. You're not inside. Like, so literally, I think all he did was crouch down behind the nearest tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just giggling to himself. Just blew away in the wind. Uh, That being said, uh, snowing in a cemetery uh, will be done again in this uh, series, and it will mean way fucking more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it will. Um, actually, there's been... I think there's been a couple of times... Well, maybe there hasn't been a couple times yet where there's been snow. There's also there's been rain in the graveyard, but... Um, or at least in a dream there was. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that, that actually like a nightmare scenario or something? Yeah. No, but like yeah. there's very... Yeah. There are images of a funeral scene in this show that are burned into my mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. I think in season four or five. I can't remember. Somewhere in there. Too soon. Um, soon. Too, too soon. Um Back at the mansion, uh, Lex is getting a little tired of Dominic um, and lets him in on his theory as to what is really going on here. Like, why Dominic was sent in the first place, why Lionel is being so forceful with all this crap, because he's basically afraid that Lex doesn't need him anymore. Um, And then he makes a point to mention... uh, what uh, Persian kings used to do to the messengers when they didn't like the news they they got, and then asks Dom how his drink is. This is a weird scene. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, holy shit, is Lex killing this dude? Yeah, that's what I thought. That being said, like I I I will never tire of Lex going on these soliloquies or uh, monologues uh, yeah. that bring up ancient history specifically no. to teach someone a lesson. Well, yeah, because that's, that's it's what he does. It's a character trait. And it's, it's something so he learned from... It's one of the things he learned from Lionel. It's part of their little chess match that they always yeah, play. Yeah, that's true, because Lionel does do it to him a lot, too. Yeah, it reminds him. He, he brings up Alexander a lot. Yeah. Fittingly. I can um, almost hear Lionel in my head actually going, Lex, do you know what the ancient Romans used to do? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. That's actually, it's right out in like the open and it's totally obvious. And it's something I totally never pieced together is that they both do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things Lex did learn from his father. Uh Anyway, but in the meantime, Team Sleuth is doing some digging and discovers 
that it was a combo of kind of painkillers and meteor rocks that gave Tyler his powers. Somehow they figure this out. Uh, and Lana shows up with what happened in the graveyard and uh, like Clark dashes out of there, not bothering to entertain her question of where he's going. And she kind of turns to Chloe and Pete and is like, what the fuck? Like, wh- where did he go? And they're just like, I don't know. He does this all the time. Which is weird that no one's even trying to piece things together yet. Right. And that's the thing is we just talked about this last episode. We were just like where he just ditched Chloe at the at the barn. Yeah. Yeah. Just like at his own house. Oh, I'm out. See ya. Peace. Yeah. And Uh, and the weird thing to me is like Lana shows up and goes, uh, Clark, uh, Ryan attacked us in, in the in the cemetery and said, or something, blah, blah, blah. And Clark's like, oh, did you call the police? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then in my mind, all I can think is, and then her very next course of action was to go to the school in the middle of the night looking for Clark. Yeah. What? That's just a weird course or, or, or like set of events or mental hurdles that you have to jump through to get Lana to Clark so that she can tell him something. The crazy, okay, that's that's pretty crazy. But the cra- I think the crazier thing is in the next scene where, like, Whitney goes to visit with his dad and gets in a tussle with Tyler and knocked out. And then Clark is fighting, is first, like, shows up and starts fighting Tyler. Uh, and, like, Tyler's like, you can't beat me. Like, I'm, like, I'm not going to stop, blah, blah, blah. And then somehow they go from fighting each other that all of a sudden, once he finds out his mother is alive, that he's just going to walk with Clark, like maybe three or four rooms down to where his mother is laying in a hospital bed. Like it's so fucking rapid from where they go from Clark fighting this dude to Clark and him standing kind of buddy, buddy in her, his mother's like hospital room. Wait, but isn't she, I thought she was home though. It because of the way it cuts, it seems like there's no way they could be anywhere but the hospital. That is super fast. You're right, because but I'm almost sure that like Clark said, right. "Oh no, yeah. your your mom recovered. They sent her home." Right, but and that's the thing is the cut from there is so rapid that they really needed a scene showing us something. Right, like a buffer seemed to like allude to some kind of time progression something right because they're it's really rapid from where their fight scene ends after clark reveals that his mother is alive to cut to her being there and she's asleep and tyler realizes that the pain he was trying to banish was his own pain and he's like i know what i need to do and so he kind of puts his hands together in like a prayer pose and touches his own hands and turns himself to ash, which I don't know how he didn't do that like 500 times before this point. I just, there is suspension of disbelief in, um, in like modern storytelling, especially like if you want to go CW shows and things like that. Right. But you expect me to believe that this guy didn't jerk off once this week. No. Is it November? I don't think so. Or like he just got these powers. 
all he had to do was do is like clap his hands or dust his hands off one time and he's dead attempt to shower and dead like he like yeah it none of none of it makes any sense whatsoever at all unless and here's the thing mm. maybe he at some point gains control yeah but it doesn't seem but then like why he the does. gloves because if he had control then when uh, Wilford Brimley's uh, sh- shitty twin grabbed him. Why did he turn to ash? Or if he could control it in, in why did he uh, or just a touch on that like bell pepper that Martha brought in cause that reaction? Like if he had any control over it all, he wouldn't have to wear those gloves. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's fucked. I think I think what happens <laughs> is they got this far into the seer into the show and they're like, so how do we wrap this up? Uh, I don't know. Uh, do we do we lock him up? Do we put him in prison? How do you keep a guy like this in prison without killing everybody in the world? Uh, let's just have him kill himself. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's the thing is like the whole episode leads up to this and it's so unsatisfying and the whole episode is so unsatisfying that the next scene is the best scene in the entire episode and it's like the last two minutes of the show. And it's like Lex and Lionel meet in an alley in Metropolis and over the course of their conversation, like Lionel is kind of like arrogantly stating that Lex will always be his son and will always need him regardless of what Lex thinks. And, uh, and then like Lex is kind of smiling a little bit and he asks why Lionel isn't curious about what happened to Dominic. And even up to this point, because I had forgotten what had happened, I thought he'd killed Dominic, that he was going to open the trunk and it would just be a body. Yeah, me too. Which is like why I was actually severely disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the crazy thing though here is like, in the trunk is a trussed up and gagged Dominic, or should I say, I, I say, I said uh, in my notes, I wrote a gagged Dom, or should I say sub? Nice. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to the BDSM community. Uh, yep. This podcast uh, gets fucking weird, man. <laughs> God, God, it's such a nightmare. <laughs> Lex, uh, Lex says to call next time there's an issue around finance or his drone will be a little less fortunate. And Lionel tells him, well done. And then he glances at Dominic in the trunk and then closes the trunk. So I think Lionel is going to go kill Dominic. Well, if we never see Dominic again, we can assume that that's what happened. Yeah. Because he just, just looks drove at him. that car into the river. Yeah. Like... It's so funny because like Lionel like looks at him for a second and then just he's like looking straight ahead and just slowly closes the trunk. The weird thing to me is that like Lionel sees this. And the weird thing to me is that Lionel actually gives props to Lex for it. Whereas like I'm looking at this, I'm like, I'm horribly disappointed. I think Lionel is such a cutthroat at this Mm -hmm. point and Lionel is the quote unquote like Lex of the story right now Lionel's had people killed 
for sure. So for I sure. think Lionel would look at this and look at Lex and go, really, Lex? This is what you've got? Like, you've... You roofied him? What you're doing right here doesn't hurt me in any way, shape, or form. You drugged the guy I sent to go dig up secrets, and you're bringing him back to me? This humiliates him, not me. This is yeah. amateur hour. And he's what? like, and now that you've humiliated this guy, I have to do something about this. I can't let him keep living with this humiliation. Yeah, yeah. So it was just, to me, it was just weird that Lionel would look over and go, oh, good job, Lex. Because Lex accomplished nothing other than getting Dominic out of Smallville. That, and then Lex does another, he does a really awesome thing for Whitney, though, too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But, like, my whole thing is that Dominic is still, gets back to Lionel with all the information he's gathered. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Anyway, some pretty fly football uniforms. I'll just say that right out of the gate. I actually, I was like looking at this. I'm like, man, those Metropolis Sharks uniforms look fucking nice. Yeah. At first I couldn't tell like where they were playing. And then it became obvious that they were in Smallville. Um, Just because the field looked, it didn't look like a pro field. Well, Um, and and I was very weirded out by the whole thing because they start out with like uh, the football line or you're on the field. Uh, uh, a point of field, fucking point of view point of, of view. the field. Yeah, and you got the offensive line lined up against the defensive line, and the camera st- kind of starts to pan back and up, and then you hear the announcer going, "Now playing quarterback for the Metropolis Sharks," and I'm just like, yeah. "Is this a dream sequence?" Because they're obviously on the Smallville High right. football field, right? But those aren't the Smallville High uniforms, so is that actually the Sharks? What's And I was just very confused for, like, the first couple seconds of this, and then it gets yeah, explained. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah, there's they, they do a quick play, and then, um, uh, like, Whitney runs over to his dad, and his dad is, like, super happy because he's sitting there in his chair, his wheelchair, like, you know, like, side of the field. And uh, up on the stands... Jonathan walks over to where Alex is standing and kind of commends him on doing such a nice thing, but then questions why Lex was looking into the crash in the first place. And Lex just looks at him and says, it was a miracle and asks Jonathan, wouldn't you want to know? Don't you wonder how these things happen? And Jonathan's like, no, I just accept that they do. It's a pretty good scene between them because it's like a little bit of respect has been gained. Yeah, it, uh, there is, um, at some point, Jonathan looks at Lex and he goes, Lex, you did a good thing here today. Yeah. And there is a very quick flash, uh, a very subtle look on uh, Rosenbaum's face. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a masterful acting where you see a little boy who has been starved for affection and approval his whole life, finally getting it. And it kind you can see the shock yeah, and yeah. the love and the like, it almost looks like he wants to cry and hug Jonathan all at the same time. And yeah. it's for a brief, brief second. And I swear to God, I got choked up at just that two seconds of Rosenbaum reacting. And you know what and that is? Just, that's real. That's real Rosenbaum dealing with, actual daddy issues oh really yeah oh yeah 
he has he has a very complex relationship with his dad and it, i think he uses that he must it, dude it was fantastic it was fantastic so many things portrayed in just that one little he look said, the last five minutes of this episode make it kind of good. There's kind, kind of like a lot of um, Smallville episodes that, let's say, are mediocre at best, but one or two things stand out, whether it be like a, a fantastic line of dialogue or just a great interaction or performance. Yeah. This is one of those episodes where it's like, you know what? Villain wasn't that great. Overall story wasn't that great. But the continuation from last week, there's some good emotional character building. There's yeah. some good overall story arc char- character building or overall story uh, arc building, world right. creating, I guess. Um, and, there- and then yeah, it's been since, I think it's been since Craving where the entire episode was trash and then in that last two minutes where Clark had Lana's birthday surprise thing, there hasn't been an episode that was so bad and then had such a decent like ending since then, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, But there's still one more little thing. I think it's Lana asks Clark how Lex knew how to do this and realizes that Clark had everything to do with it. Um, and then she kisses him on the cheek. And it's weird because she's sitting really close to him on the stands and I she kisses him too. on the cheek right in front it, of Whitney, basically. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. Like this is, Oh, you did such a nice thing, Clark, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you guys are sitting very close together. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you can make the argument, Oh, you're just friends. Sometimes you sit close to your friends. Yeah. But there's nobody else around. Right. There's literally like the stands are pretty much empty. There's room for a little space between the two of them. And yeah. then, yeah, I don't mean, it's not, she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't lick his lips or anything, but there's a peck on the cheek and that's still pretty familiar. And we know that Whitney has issues with her relationship with Clark already. So right. you were, there's a very big potential to spoil the nice thing that's happening. No. Yeah. It's definitely she, it's it's definitely kind of a weird kind of thoughtless moment. I mean, she's just being appreciative for what he did, but you know, I uh, you know if Whitney saw it, he'd probably be a little pissy. Um, Clark and Jonathan patch things up too and go watch the game, um, and we kind of end on Clark making a joke about he could use his X-ray vision for finding the missing lure, the fishing lures. Because I guess it's been it's he's gotten that power in the interim between their last fishing trip. So. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, I don't. I remember them talking about fishing lures, but I don't remember like what was coming down to. But you're right. Yeah, he. Yeah. Or he. he um. Is it a? Yeah, he, it's not necessarily about the lures <laughs> as much as like, oh, well, I'll be able to see the fish under the water. Kind yeah. Of thing, exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Which is and then Jonathan yeah. using his son's powers to to cheat, to yeah. cheat, to cheat at life. Great, great lesson, Jonathan. Yeah. Good old Paw Kent. Anyway, that's the end of the episode, though. Oh, I was having a discussion with one of the people in my discords. Oh, shout out to Sarah, by the way. Uh, 
Sarah's on my Twitch Discord, and she wrote just like a, a huge, just loving sentence about the show. I just said the paragraph. Um, yeah. Just super, super sweet. But she followed it up with another one that made me laugh because she was laughing about the episode where I called myself Paul. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and then she's like, you guys are confusing the shit out of me because you guys now keep talking about Paul Kent. Who is Paul Kent? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Paul oh. Kent. Pa in the old Superman comics, it was Ma and Pa Kent, and she was like, "Oh, so Jesus!" Well, and now we know. Paul, shout out to Paul Kent. What up, Paul Kent? Um, I yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I, I like. I, I mean, yeah, it's an average episode. Average episode with some pretty cool things in it. Yeah. Um, I I mean, if we're grading it, I give it a five, maybe. And that's yeah. because and that's because of that five that that last couple minutes. Yeah, I was leaning to about a six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll be fine. a little harsher on it because I didn't like it at all. I didn't hate it. Again, it's just the little things in it. Like, uh, I, it just a lot of it is just so generic. So to me, like, generic is fifty percent. Like, you're right down the middle. Not a bad yeah. episode. It's certainly not a great episode. And it had the, those high points we had talked about that brought it up a little bit. Anyway, but we're, we were never going to score episodes. No. So this is all arbitrary because our system and our scale doesn't mean a goddamn thing. It doesn't mean anything. Every uh, episode anyway. is being reviewed by itself. Yeah, basically. Uh, Paul, what happens on the next episode? The Monitor sends Harbinger to gather the world's greatest heroes. Supergirl, The Flash, Green Arrow, Batwoman, White Canary, The Atom, and Superman. In preparation for the impending crisis. With their worlds in imminent danger, the superheroes suit up for a battle. While John and Alex recruit Lena to help them find a way to save the people of Earth-38. What the hell? That doesn't sound like an episode of Smallville at all. Sounds like we have a crisis on our hands. Oh, man. <laughs> Somebody save us. 